What is up, guys, and welcome back to the Sweat It Out podcast. If you want to be successful, look inside. We don't like sitting in the discomfort. Then all of a sudden that day came when I got 20 bucks and two free drinks to do a show, and I was like, oh, shit, here we go, baby. You know? <laughs> Thank God she hasn't caught a chicken yet. Don't be soft. Patience is key. If all my friends are winning, then it's gonna make me want to win We are excited for this podcast today, guys. We have a very special guest. He is a body transformation specialist, the founder of the Lose Like Alignment slash Lady Programs. He is also the legendary, the best center of the Chargers. Guys, help us welcome. Nick Hardwick. What's up, brother? Hey, thank you so much for having me, guys, and wonderful intro. I yes, always that. appreciate it. <laughs> we're, we're always trying to top it the next every every episode. I know you gotta to always level it. up, you know. Right. I think it's I think it's important to always try to do better than you did before. <laughs> you know, get one percent better every day. Yeah, That's right? what we're trying to do. So I one hundred percent agree with that. When I get feedback like that, it just just gets me excited. Yeah, he's got to, you know, <laughs> unbuckle yeah. one of those notches on the hat. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, your head's going to explode. Oh, it's man. It's not a Savage Monday, but we'll he's, take it. He's the king Woo! of that. Yeah, he loves that. It's, it's epic. It. So we were talking a little bit before the podcast started about, you know, you transitioning out of San Diego. And, you know, we'd like to dive into that if, if you'd like to. And, uh, you know, what? You're in Indiana now, you said, <clears throat> and uh, yep, Indiana. Yeah, and uh, that's where you're from originally. Exactly. Yeah, born and raised here. Not exactly the most glamorous spot in the country. A lot of people, it's a uh, we call it the crossroads of America because 65 runs north and south, all the way up and all the way down, and then 70 runs east to west, almost coast to coast. So it's the crossroads of America right here in Indianapolis, and it's a flyover state, right? It's I hate I mean, that it's not term. A beautiful state. Yeah, I, I you know, I, I do too, but it, it really is. A lot of people have never been to Indiana, don't really have a whole lot of interest in coming to Indiana. But I tell you what, after spending 16 years in San Diego, I was 11 years with the Chargers. I spent three years on the radio broadcast after I got done playing and then two more years doing some radio broadcasting out in San Diego, covering the Padres after the chargers left town, we just decided as a family, it was time to come home. My mom's 75, 76. My dad's closing in on 70. Mom's got some autoimmune issues. Dad beat throat cancer four years ago. And it was time to get around them, get around my brother and my sister, my nephews, my nieces. And, start to spend some time that we've missed out on and just to get back to the Midwest. And, you know, people here are incredible. It's been a great, we've only been back a year and it was kind of wild. We moved back. Literally, we sold our house in San Diego five days before the quarantine happened for COVID. And our kids got shut down to school. We sold on a Tuesday. Friday was the last day of school. About that next Monday was when they said, all right, everything's shut down. And we thought it was going to be two weeks. And so I'm here. I am driving a U-Haul across the country right in the prime at the beginning of the whole COVID deal. And that was kind of a wild thing coming from California with California license plates, (sighs) towing a u-haul i mean you should have seen some of the looks i got in west kansas i mean they're like boy what are you doing out here? <laughs> <laughs> <Coming from> K- <laughs> oh they treated me like i was a zombie i mean i'm not i'm not kidding there was a truck stop that i was at stretch my legs out stretch my body take my dog for a walk because he was with me and my wife and two boys flew across and i guess that was a unique experience as well but i pulled into this desolate truck stop i get out i'm walking around and here comes this old man in this old beat up ford and he's like what kind of dog is that and i was like well he's he's a mutt from mexico and he's like oh this here and then he got right into it and he's like see coming from california he goes you know we've only got one case of the coronavirus here in in this here town and oh boy came from oregon and uh you know that's kind of why we like living out this far and i thought oh goodness gracious i said sir sir i don't have the coronavirus i'm moving back home i'm uh i'm from indiana i I gave him like the real short version of the story and then i said i'll be on my way real quick i just do you mind if i use the restroom and then get moving said good night so we got we got a couple of those stops along the way, but it's been, it's been super awesome here in Indiana. And, and awesome. it's funny. I asked my, I asked my kids or two boys, nine and seven Hudson and Teddy. 
And I ask him, we ask him all the time. It's like here in Indiana or San Diego better. And you guys would be like, well, of course, San Diego, right? They don't even bat an eye and they go Indiana way better. Wow. And so I much, out, so much to do outdoors. I mean, I, yeah. like I was saying, I, I mean, I come from like a real small town in upstate New York, very blue collar, you know, a lot of people work in construction, a lot of hunters, you know, fishing yeah. big over there. And I mean, that's part of the reason we were talking before too, about me moving to Puerto Rico. That's part of the reason why I moved like to get out of the city of Miami and, and really get back into that, you know, sense of nature, you know, when you can really like explore and, and, breathe fresh air again. You know, I think it's so important, especially for kids. Super important. Yeah, exactly. And we live a mile from the largest sports complex in the country. It's 400 acres. There's 57 fields out here. I mean, there's 26 full-size baseball and softball diamonds that are fully turfed with lights. And I mean, it is a, there's 50,000 people out there every single week and it's crazy. So incredible. Like the, the Indianapolis Colts host their training camp a mile from the house. So we get to be around all that again, which is just, you know, for them, it's a really cool experience. Awesome. No, that, that is really cool. And you know, it, it goes back to like Joshua's and like, you know, just being out, there's something about being out and about and just outside. And especially when being so confined during COVID and just where tech is advancement in the world that where it's going with kids, you know, video games and right. this and that, everybody's just locked in, right? So when you have places like this, you can just yep. freely run out or go to cool facilities where you can play a sport. It, it, it's just, it, it's fun and exciting to hear that most importantly. And then to also be able to see other people enjoying that. You know, you said how many people are going out there? Well, there was, we went to a lacrosse tournament last weekend and there was, I'm not kidding. There was about 50,000 people insane. there. It looked like That's you, insane. it looked like you were going to Lollapalooza or, <laughs> or, you know, something like, I thought when we pulled up, You're we like, couldn't park. Crap. I thought, I did not expect this to be, I mean, I thought there was going to be four teams out there. It turns out there was like 200 wow. teams out there. It was, it was madness. It was awesome. And I just, I felt real inspired for That's the awesome. kids that they get to see kind of how many other young men that they're going to be competing against yeah. for coveted spots down the line. So do you do anything with your kids when it comes to sports? You know, are you really heavily involved when it comes to that, like coaching wise or like helping them or putting them in programs? Oh, all, yeah. I mean, all of that. And look, I, I make it a point not to push them into anything. The only things I care about of all youth athletics are your effort and your focus. And like do you hustle? And, and that's it, right? Because who knows? I feel bad for them in a way because their dad played 11 years in the NFL and there's this immense like inherent pressure that they have to kind of live up to be what I was. And I, I tasted it for the first time last year. My oldest is in third grade. He's playing youth tackle football for the first time. And I asked him on the ride home after one practice, I said, dude, you don't look like you're having a great time. Like what is going on? Why are you so serious out there? And he said, and he started crying. And then I started crying in the car and he said, dad, I, I just feel so much pressure. I don't, I'll never be as good as you. And I don't know how I'm going to get there. And I said, Oh my God. Like that was the first time that I realized that he even felt anything like that. Like he didn't just go out and he wow. wasn't just one of the other kids. And it just crushed me. And I thought, oh, goodness gracious, man. You're, I said, you're nine. Actually, he was eight at the time. I said, you're eight. And I'm 30 years older than you. I said, you have no idea what you're going to turn out to be. And I said, if you don't play football, dad doesn't care. In fact, I, I don't tell them this, but I don't want them to play football. I want them to do something else. But they want to play. They're really into it. They yeah. collect football cards. My youngest is like a brainiac when it comes to all the old time guys. He's like, Hey, here's the Jersey numbers that I want. I want 32, 34 or 21. I either want to be LT. I want to be Bo Jackson or I want to be Jim Brown. I'm yeah. Like, I love that. Know? name. You're seven years old. How do you know about name. Jim Brown? Right? Yes. Yeah, You're talking to a guy. Syracuse alum. Yeah. Right here. So I, you know, all those guys. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, yeah, for him. Awesome. So I'm proud of him. They love it. Yeah, yeah they love it. So, yeah, I am too. I know part of me when he's he's asking me all these questions. Hey, who's better, Jim Brown or Bo Jackson? I'm like, I don't know. I, I was a huge Bo Jackson fan, but I don't know about Jim Brown. I didn't get to watch him. I hear he was incredible. <laughs> but for me, it's you have no idea. Even being 
my size and getting to where I got to, who knows what their life is. That's their life, not mine. They're not, I'm not asking you to try to recreate my path. You've got your own path, your own interests. Let's find what fuels you and let's do it. I'm here to help you. But the only thing that I really care about is, are you working on your leadership skills out here? Are you working on your mental toughness? And are you hustling like crazy? And my youngest, they play lacrosse. and I know nothing of lacrosse. I, I love it because I don't know it. And I think it's like the greatest sports for kids because it's, such a cross training type sport where you get all this athleticism, you get sprinting, you get cardio because they can't put on muscle at this age. So it's like, just go run and build up those mitochondria, build up that VO two max. Let's, let's see how high we can get that threshold. And then when you start actually releasing hormones, then we'll start working some muscles into this, but that sport for me has hand eye of baseball. It's got the footwork of soccer. It's got a little physicality like rugby or football, not quite as much as like a little bit more appropriate. But my youngest said, dad, all you say on the sidelines is run. (laughs) (laughs) And he goes, will you please, he goes, what can I do to get you to stop saying that? And I said, well, you could sprint. <laughs> yeah, you could do it. I, love it. I, love I won't it. say anything if you're sprinting. Mm-hmm. So were you like that as a kid? I mean, like, how was it for you growing up? Did you know at an early age, like, okay, I could turn football into a career? Like, this is really oh, something no. I could do? Or when when did it no, really click was, for you? Oh, it didn't click until I, I mean, really, until I got to college. So I kind of got a crazy story. And the more NFL guys that I get to talk to, the more, and you ask them their stories, because I played on teams three years in college and 11 years in the league. And you don't ever ask guys where they're from or their stories or anything, (laughs) but everybody's got this super cool, like meandering story. It's rarely the guy like Patrick Mahomes that you knew was going to be, you know, this next level guy when he was five years old. I mean, some kids just have that kind of gravity about them, but I was, I was young for my grade. I was the youngest one in my grade. I was super small. I had fat little legs and I was tough as hell and I love to compete and I love sports. And I, could, I was outside all day shooting baskets, playing baseball. I wrestled. I did football as a kid. But when I got to high school, I was five foot four, 125 pounds. Wow. And I, yeah. And I tried to play my freshman year, but I didn't play. They didn't put me in. The coaching staff didn't put me in because, well, I was tiny and I probably looked like I was going to get hurt out there. So why would they put me in? So I kind of, the light bulb went off for me that this may not be my gig, even though I loved football and I played it since third grade. So I just stopped playing and I shifted directions and started wrestling because it's a weight class sport. So it didn't matter how big I got or how small I was. It was all good. And it just so happened in my high school, we had a legendary hall of fame coach named Royce Deckard, who was like the man, he was the first guy that I could gravitate to other than my dad that I said, that's a man that I will follow. And he was an unbelievable leader and he had a dream for all of us in that room. And I walked into the room and I wanted to wrestle, but he wanted me to be a state champion. And I didn't really understand any of that until I went down to the state championships. My dad took me and a couple of my buddies down and it was at market square arena where the Indiana Pacers used to play. And there was 18,000 people. There's a spotlight on the middle of the mat for the finals match. And they introduce you, you come running out of the tunnels, shake hands in the middle. And it was like, Holy hell, I could do that. And so that's what this coach has been talking about the whole time. And so I just started chasing that dream for the next three years. And that's, I ended up getting second, in the state of Indiana at 171 pounds. And I went on to college and I weighed like 195 pounds. And I thought, what am I going to do? I just followed my best friend to Purdue because he was going there. I had an opportunity to go to Rutgers out in New Jersey to wrestle, but I never stepped foot in New Jersey. It was Oh, thank God you didn't go to Rutgers. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I hear it's like... In New Brunswick, I hear it's not a nice area at all. And so I almost signed up to go sight unseen. And thankfully I didn't because my life really worked out quite well the way that it did. And 
So I, I signed up to be in the ROTC program and I wanted to be a Navy pilot. So I kind of wow. walked onto that program. My second semester, they awarded me with a Navy scholarship and I was super thrilled. Well, then like maybe two, three weeks after they give me the scholarship, I have to go to the local Air Force base and get a medical examination. Turns out I was colorblind. Wow. And and so I couldn't fly and I wanted to fly pilots. Like I was of the Top Gun era, right? I wanted to be Tom Cruise. Of course you want to be Maverick. Like you want to be the cool. Yeah, you don't want to be Goose. You, know, you, <laughs> yeah. you don't want to be, you don't want to sit in the back. I want to be in control of <laughs> yep. this damn thing. So I, I, my dream was crushed right there. And I said, all right, I can't do that. I'm a Navy ROTC guy. God, I don't want to be on a boat. So what's next? And so I said, all right, I can shift. And within the Department of the Navy is the Marine Corps. I said, I'll be a Marine Corps infantryman officer because that's pretty badass. Uh-huh. So I'll go do that. That's the next badass thing. But I still was like, yeah, damn it. I wanted to fly jets, you know. And then I had a friend who brought up a student newspaper to me. This is before cell phones and everything. And he's like, he was in Navy ROTC and he's kid from South side of Chicago, Frank Avino. And he comes up and he's like, Hey, check this out. in the classifieds, you could walk onto the Purdue football team. He's like, you want to try it? I was like, Frank, I, I didn't play high school football, man. <laughs> and, and by the way, we're in the middle of the Drew Brees era at Purdue mm. where Purdue had was on their way to winning the big 10 championship for the first time since 1967. They go out to the Rose bowl. I said, sure, Frank, I'll, I'll start training with you. I'll work out with you. And so we started training hard and eating and I got up, I ended up getting up to two 30. Well, wow. Purdue went to the Rose bowl. I, I was there at Pasadena in the stands with my college roommates watching as a fan. And then several weeks after that, I'm in the Purdue football facility and I'm trying out with 105 other kids who of course wanted to be a part of this championship program now because it was at an all-time high. I mean, there was games where they were tearing down goalposts. They were burning couches in the streets. It was total mayhem. It was, it was so much fun. And I had never been around something like that. And I thought, how do I get on the sidelines? That looks fun. And so it just so happened that I was one of five guys out of 105 dudes that tried out. And I have no idea what they saw on me. I don't, maybe it was a high and tight, the Marine Corps high and tight, or I wore my Marine Corps PT outfit that had a real tight shirt, short shorts and all that. And maybe they thought, Hey, if this dude's willing to go overseas and get shot, I'm sure he's willing to throw his body around here. So that's, that was kind of my entry into football story. And I was essentially a tackling dummy for a year. I got moved from, I thought I was going to be a linebacker. I was way too slow at even at two 30 and the defensive coordinator came and grabbed my arm and he said, Hey, come with me, son. I don't know who told you you're going to be a linebacker. And I said, Oh, cool. I'm going to go be a defensive end. No, we walked right past <laughs> that room, went into the defensive tackle room where they're 310, 330 pound behemoths. And I'm sitting there at two 30 and I thought, Oh hell. And I, I remember <laughs> asking the guy next to me, it was Matt Mitrione who fights for uh, Bellator and he's fought in the UFC and he was a really good defensive tackle for us. And I said, how'd you put on all the weight, man? I just kind of whispered at him in meetings. And he's like two Jimmy John gargantuan subs. <laughs> yeah. like, all right, That'll do let's, it. let's go with, let's go with the Jimmy. Just so I did that. And then I had two pounds of ground beef a day on top of everything else that I was already eating. So that was additional calories. And then I'd wake up at two in the morning and I'd have, you guys remember when EAS myoplex was oh, like yeah. the shake. Oh, I, I would, <laughs> you know, I used to have a 700 calorie shake Jeez. sitting in a blender on my nightstand. I'd set the alarm for two in the morning, chug that, go back to bed and just an egregious amount. And they, kept me a defensive tackle for a year. And then they ended up moving me over to guard because our left guard got hurt. And I remember I got a knock on my training camp door at the hotel and they said, Hey Nick, we're going to move you to guard tomorrow. And I thought, Holy crap. Now I'm getting ready to play. I've worked from like the seventh defensive tackle into the second I may start, or I may be the first guy in after, you know, the starter needs a break. And I thought, come on, 
I'm getting ready to play. I never thought I was even going to get on special teams or anything. I just wanted to stand on the sideline and wear the costume and act like the people in the stands were cheering for me. And they said, no, you don't understand. You're starting at left guard tomorrow. And I said, well, shit, I don't, I don't know anything. I mean, I just learned this defensive tackle position and they said, that's all right. You got a senior center and a senior left tackle. They'll tell you what to do on every play and sure shit they did. So back to the original question, when did I realize I had something in football? This has kind of been described as like my eight mile moment by another friend that I have, John Wellborn, who played 10 years in the league at tackle. And he said, you always get these eight mile moments. And, and this was mine. It was the first rep that I ever had at left guard at one-on-one pass protection where the defensive tackles lined up right across from you. There's no actual play going on. There's a coach standing back there who gives a snap count and the defensive tackle obviously knows it's a pass because that's the drill. And it's the hardest thing I'd been watching offensive linemen, good ones get destroyed for (laughs) 18 months. And now it's my turn. And I'm lined up against this 330 pound dude from Connecticut, Damian Greer. And I don't know what happened, but I just stoned him at the line of scrimmage. And I was like 285 at the time. And I just stoned him and everyone went crazy. My old defensive tackle buddies were like super pumped for me. The guy, Damien, just kind of laughed and he's like, oh man, Nick. And then the offensive line was like, holy shit, we found this guy. And I was like, and, and in my own head, I was like, how did that work? You know, but that was the moment that I was like, I may be good. And so I played that whole year at left guard. Well, then our center gets hurt in the last regular season game. And we're going to make a bowl game. He tears his ACL. And the coach comes to me and says, hey, you're moving to center. You've got two weeks of bowl prep to get ready. So I have to learn how to snap. I still didn't know any of the calls. I didn't really know what the pass protections meant. So I had two weeks to get ready to play center in a bowl game. And I was lined up against an All-American, Tank Johnson, who ended up going to Chicago in the third round. And I was, I had an awesome game and it just like, it was so natural. Even in practice, I was like, damn, I'm good. Like I thought it was okay at guard, but at center, I was like, whoa, I'm good. Like I felt fully powerful. I'm in the right spot. And that was the moment where not only do I think I can play football at this level, it's like, I think I have a career. And so then it just kind of, I started getting calls from agents and I was taken with the third pick of the third round the following year and 11 years later and getting to be the team captain of the chargers for the last five years of my career. You know, it was like a dream come true. Yeah. That's incredible. Legendary, that's man. incredible. Not even playing in high school to, to you know, being one of the best centers in the league is, is, and it also shows you why yeah, it's, why you should not why you should always believe at the same time you know and not believe that you can't do something you know which it, yeah. some people think that they have to start from the beginning the beginning the beginning in order to be able to get into that area or that you know in your case the pros uh, the way you did you know and and that's the biggest I, I feel like that's a huge misconception I'm not saying of course you know typically you starting from the beginning gives you an advantage but. You've heard it many. I've heard other stories too, like yourself. Like you have those exceptions where, hey, you know, you go in there and just show up. Right time, right place, yeah. and a little hard work. And you and never know. Totally. I've thought about writing a book call and calling it Sure, Why Not? You know? <laughs> yeah. Hey, that's such a great you title. Do you know? You should do it. Hey, sure, why not? Hey, will you do this? Yeah, sure. Yeah, why yeah, not? And what do I have to lose? What are they going to tell me? I'm not good enough to make the team? I mean, who cares? I didn't play football. Of course I'm not good enough to make <laughs> the team. But I'll, I'll show up like an idiot and act like I know what I'm doing. But to the point of, you know, you think you got to start at the beginning. And I should have ridden out from third grade all the way through through my 12th grade year in high school, I really believe that if I would have played through high school, I wouldn't have got a college offer and that would have been written off and that would have been it for me. So when my buddy would have come and asked me, Hey, do you want to try out? I would have said, no, I obviously wasn't good enough then. Why would I be good enough now? And then also I had so many of my teammates who said, you save so much wear and tear on your body. Yep. By not doing that, I didn't pick up any bad habits, no bad techniques, because I didn't know anything when I showed up. I just stood at the back of every line and mimicked the guys in front of me. You're a sponge. 
Well, and and, and in wrestling, you know, you, know, you have the leverage. Sponge. You know, you have the leverage from yes. wrestling and yeah. body position and technique. You know that yeah goes a long it way. Just, it, oh my god, it worked out perfectly. That that to me, and I have so many teammates now who will get their kids into wrestling because they saw what I was doing. They're like, I got to get my kid into wrestling because obviously it helps. But wrestling is one balance. Like there's a crazy amount of strength involved in wrestling stamina, but the mental toughness of being able to go out there one-on-one, right. And putting yourself on full display, wearing a singlet first off and not being able to share any blame with anybody. Like you have to 100% own the blame in wrestling. You lose, you didn't train hard enough, you're not strong enough, you're not in good enough shape, and that guy just beat you, or you made a tactical mistake, or whatever the case may be, but that's on you. There's nobody else that can be blamed. And kind of looking back at all of that and kind of how that transpired, you know, a message hit me. It's like, you are always, whether you know it or not, preparing for an opportunity that's going to present itself to you. And you're either going to be ready for that opportunity or you're not. And so in this moment that we have right now, this is the moment that we have to capture. We can't be worried. You know, I'm a physical guy. I am going to be involved in this physical vector. Like I'm, I was training for ROTC. I was lifting weights every day because I love to lift weights. I was running sprints because, well, that's what I just enjoyed doing. I had those, do you guys remember the strength shoes? Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I had street shoes because I wanted to be able to dunk and wreck basketball. Like, mm. so I was always tinkering around with dumb shit that other people weren't, but it, it, it ended up paying off for me when I walked onto the football team. And then it all culminated really when I became a center and it was like close quarters combat. And it was essentially wrestling while moving with a game plan. It was <laughs> It was perfect. Nah, so there's always some sort of opportunity, some sort of challenge that's coming, and you're either going to capture that moment or you're not going to. Speaking of wrestling, I you know I, I did uh, wrestling and, and football in high school, and I'll tell you right now that people don't understand. Like, yeah, don't get me wrong, football is tough as shit in those practices, but man, those wrestling, some of those wrestling practices are insane. Oh, and the oh. way you and what you have to do to get ready for wrestling, it's insane. It's insane. It's, I cut, so I cut down my senior year because our 189 pounder, he couldn't get down to 171. And I had beat him in the spring at 191 and a half during freestyle wrestling. I'd beat him in the state championship pretty bad. And he started, he kind of turned into a mess. He started crying. He's like, he got third in the state the year before. And he said, I'm never going to make varsity. And I got third in the state last year. And my coaches came right to me and they said, Hey, we need you at 171. Well, I had ballooned up to 218 pounds was as big as I got in high school. So I had to cut 48 pounds to get down to 171 in high school. Right. It's like similar story to mine. Crazy. Right. I mean, your parents probably could have been called by child protective services is like, are you really letting your kid lose that much weight? I mean, I had to get new clothes. I looked awful my mom but was it was pissed because i was literally what? i was weighing 225 in high school and i was uh, i was playing the end in football i was weighing 225 yeah um and then for for wrestling i thought i was gonna wrestle at 181 and my coach is like no 171 he's like and since i'm short i'm like five eight five and a half he's like you're gonna overpower everybody he goes we're gonna drop you to 171 that's the game oh my god to get to 171 and literally in a span of like three weeks like it was dreadful Dreadful, dreadful, dreadful. <laughs> you did it in three weeks? In like three weeks, yes. Because oh, I came man. I came in the program when my friend, he had, um, he's like, dude, you got to wrestle. Dude, you got to wrestle. And then I came in a little bit late. Like I came in like I think two weeks. Um, I, like They already had started the practices. And then I came yeah, in like, like November. two weeks before they actually started the actual tournaments. Or we had like three weeks, sorry, three weeks before they started the actual tournaments. So I only had three weeks to cut that weight and start getting ready. All I knew was the half Nelson and the power Nelson. That's it. That's all that, you That's need. all they taught me. That I was just always naturally strong, so they like just overpower people. That's <laughs> yeah. it. So I was like, yeah. okay. You know, and I'll never forget, like, my first tournament, I remember we went through, like, five guys, and I fought. I went against – I lost, but I went against the state champ from the previous year, gave him a run for his money. Lost. 
but he just he, he just like he knew all the the tactics and the points and all that stuff and I mean but, te- yeah <laughs> technically there's a lot to that sport but athletes if you're an athlete and you're a strong athlete you can go a long way in wrestling and you can get by not having the technical skills that's the one sport that I know if I kept going problem was you know um, I had gotten a really bad infection the second year and then I started the year a little bit late. Uh, because that bad, inf- I almost got like almost like a staff, and um, whoa, yeah, it was, yeah, it was, it could have led to that. Um, so I had to like take some time off, and then I got back into, and then after I finished that short year, my coach, my coach passed away in a car accident, and then they canceled the program. Oh man! So they canceled the program. I was like, oh, so it was just like really instead A lot of the kids were, you know, he wasn't, down on he wasn't sad though because he could go back to eating a shit ton of food. So. <laughs> and then i just focused on football and that was it so you know i did the four years football and then i did the the the, you know the two years of wrestling so oh man yeah yeah and i tell you i'm so thankful for the wrestling because when i showed up after i made the team as a walk-on it was immediately like they posted it on friday monday morning we were starting our six weeks of 6 a.m workouts so monday tuesday thursday friday 6 a.m to 7 30 and it was a curb stomping session. I mean, we had just lost Drew Brees. We had lost a couple of other all Big Ten guys. The offensive line was decimated. All these seniors had graduated. And I think they had like seven or eight guys go to the NFL. And so the head coach said, we're going to make these young kids tougher. And so it ended up being a grueling session. I tell you, I had to hearken up all of those old wrestling lessons that I learned where there were times where I attacked my coach in wrestling. I was like, you son of a bitch. I am so, I am so sick of learning <laughs> your damn sprints. And I mean, we got into straight fist fights. He's lucky he had, well, he's lucky. I may be lucky that he had a bunch of assistants that I come sprinting after oh Royce and this legend I'm sprinting after him. I'm just so pissed off. And he's got five assistants that are just on me, dragging me down. And they're like, where are you going? It's like, yeah, that's I want to kick that old man. I want to kick <laughs> yeah, that old dude, man's dude, ass. Those practices were intense. They, oh, yeah. I remember one time oh. we, we got in trouble 1500 up downs we couldn't finish them we had to do three three practices three practices all three practices were just that kids yakking and you had to do your 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 1500 you had to do your up downs in your own vomit if not you know it was terrible yeah that's a different time different time than that that we grew up and i feel like you know it was 105 degrees in the room no water you couldn't get water the entire three hours of practice like Especially I mean, that's, weight. you know, obviously that's abusive now, but at the time it was just toughness training. We had a kid, this, this was one of the most, like, just thinking about this, J.R. Lee had full body cramps to where his veins had just like started popping out of his skin and he was in a full body cramp. Every toe was locked. Every, he, he, he looked like he was dying, like turning into you know, a bug or something. And he was just crying and he's like, I can't move. He couldn't move. He was fully locked up. And if you couldn't meet, if you're one of those that you were like borderline, like couldn't like, like some of those kids where it's like, okay, no, you can eat. Cause you know, their weight doesn't fluctuate like that. But I wasn't, oh, yeah. one, I wasn't one of those. Imagine I'm coming from 225. So I would, to, for me to be at one Sunday was Your hard. body wanted to go back. I wanted mm. to go back up. So I remember one tournament, I, I weighed in the day before the tournament, 169. He's like, no water. No, and we just had a practice. And we're like, no, oh my God. He's like, just just swish water and ice cube around your mouth and then spit it out. And I'm like, bro, I'm not going to do that. Oh, yeah. Days. I already hated that. Go to the bathroom in your house, make it into a sauna with all this clothes on because you need to lose even more weight. And I remember the next day, I was weighing 173 before the tournament started. He was so He's like, you fucking ate something, you piece of shit. I know you ate something. I'm like, coach, I didn't eat anything. I swear. <laughs> running up, running in the bus for our two-hour trip to the school, running with bags in the bus, running up. I'm like, bro, I'm going to be de- taking, I don't know how many. Sh-. He's like, he's like, I'm going to force you to go shit. Go shit. Go <laughs> It was the oh, <laughs> like, you're like, I can't shit. Like, yeah, you're like, there's nothing I, I left. Yeah. 
And then they can't even thing. breathe. And oh then they would God. make us go upside down against the wall for some reason. I don't know with the whole I don't know, gravity, like, oh, dude. Don't yeah, you know? Yeah, I know. But eh, it's just like <laughs> go up against the wall. <laughs> go there. I'm like, bro. I'm like, oh this man, is crazy. so good. It's so so awesome to hear. Oh, you know, you brought back this, my memories. You know, your your <laughs> story. Every wrestler relates to that too. Every single wrestler out there has got very similar memories. Did, I'm did, sure. did, did you do That's the pack? A different did, breed. did you do the pack of gums? Run around with a pack of gum in the in the cup and fill up the cup with spit oh yeah yeah oh yeah <laughs> all of it i i remember sleeping in a sauna suit in a sleeping bag under flannel sheets wow i mean i mean you what, know, what the, are we doing i mean thank god today we're a little better about understanding healthier ways to weight cut you know <laughs> yes i mean at least at least yeah, exactly at least right. most people you know and obviously you had a you know a tremendous 11 year nfl career but i always love hearing what you know, professional athletes do post-career, right? It tends to be a slippery slope for some athletes, right? Trying to trying to find themselves and, and find where they're going into. And it's tremendous what you've been doing, you know, on the health side of things. Now, obviously, both of us have a huge health and fitness background. And you have your new program or, or your program has been out for a while. Um, lose like a lineman. Like what, what made you want to start, you know, helping other people really, you know, get inspired to get themselves in, in a lot better shape? Yeah, so... We talked about wrestling, and at 171 pounds, I felt like a daggone spider monkey, right? Like I could climb a 30-foot rope with no feet on it, and I could run for miles endlessly, and it felt like almost at a full sprint. There was things that I knew that the body could do that when I got up to 295 pounds for my NFL career, actually the biggest I got was 308. Wow. And it was after I dislocated my, I dislocated my midfoot and tore a couple ligaments in there and they had to put a plate seven screws and three wires to hold it back together so wow. i was non-weight bearing for 12 weeks and all i could do was lift my upper body so i got as big as i had ever been 308 pounds but i knew that that wasn't a good way to go through life it's just not sustainable it was uncomfortable and i always knew when i was done that that weight was coming off and my coach always used to say how hunter he used to say offensive linemen go one of two ways. You're either going to go and get huge afterwards, or you're going to get small. Nobody stays the same because your physical output is just not going to be the same. And so for me, it was always, I want to get lean again. I want to have abs again. I want to just be something similar, not 171 pounds, but I want to get closer to what I was when I walked onto the football team at Purdue and feel that once again. And, and really kind of the impetus, the driving force behind that is I knew what was happening to my joints. You know, there was so much wear and tear after all of those repetitions on my joints and on my brain. You know, it's like people talk a lot about CTE and I think CTE is essentially it's arthritis of the brain. Oh yeah. The That's way my knees feel, the way my shoulders feel, the way my ankles and feet feel the brain is the same way. It's taken the exact same pounding, you know, 30,000 I've counted up over three years in college and 11 years in the NFL, 30,000 hits to the brain. So number one really is take care of the brain. But the only way to do that is through continual exercise, right? You have to stay active to be able to pump that fresh blood and oxygen up to the brain to give it a chance. And then you got to stay super active talking and interacting and socializing and challenging and growing and getting those neurons to create new patterns and maybe go around where the tau proteins have clogged it up and because the brain's incredibly plastic and it's got an ability to regenerate and to form new kind of traffic patterns up there and so for me it was lose weight so i can decrease the stress on my joints so i can continue to exercise for as long as possible because the minute that exercise stops then the brain starts shrinking once again so continue to take care of the brain with healthy food a healthy lifestyle and so that was really my driving force to get the weight off in the first place so it was super urgent and I got 85 pounds off in five months. I wow. showed up to my retirement wow. press conference. I weighed 200. Yeah, it's crazy, right? 85 in five months. So I got put on IR because of a bunch of stingers in my neck uh, week one of 2014. It was Monday night football. Calais Campbell was my last hit in the NFL. 
And good way to go out. Yeah, I was about to say, <laughs> yeah, good, good way to go yeah. out. You know, take take the bull by the horns. And <laughs> yeah. it's just, you know, it's, I mean, these stingers, I had probably had two or 300 over the course of my career. And they, it was getting so bad that my ring finger and my pinkies were shutting. They were locking together kind of like lobster claws. I couldn't screw the lid on a bottle. I couldn't button my shirts or my pants up. I was dropping pins. I could still wow. snap the ball. I could still block. It hurt like hell. And so thankfully on Tuesday, when we got back to San Diego from Arizona, I went for an MRI and I came back into the facility and the doctor stopped me and the trainer stopped me. And he, they both said, Hey, we got to have a real serious conversation. And in, in the back of my head, I said, thank God, like they're going to shut me down. And I was like, thank God. Cause I wouldn't shut down because one, I wanted to earn the money and two, I wanted to go out and have a great year. But in the back of my mind, I knew it was best to be done. And so I was super thankful that they said, Nick, we can't let you go out there again because we have no long-term studies of what is going on with your neck and what happens when you have this many stingers. And so immediately I started dropping weight and I, over the kind of doing the wrestling thing, getting down, losing 48 pounds my senior year, and then gaining a hundred pounds from the time I walked on at Purdue or the time I showed up at Purdue as a freshman, as 195 pounds till the NFL combine after my senior year, I was 295 pounds. I put on a hundred pounds and every year I kind of take on these projects, learning about different diets, how to put on muscle, how to trim fat. And it was always like some new project. So I kind of came up with my own philosophy and I was working essentially to trick my body into never slowing down the fat loss. And so for five months, I just kept dropping pound after pound after pound. And eventually I got to a hot yoga class because I was walking and doing yoga mostly in like little Tabata sessions. You know, I do like jumping jacks as fast as I could, or I'd sit and do like 500 jumping jacks at one clip. And then, I'd, and then I'd be done for the day, but it was walk yoga and like these little tiny intermittent hit, training sessions and I was in a yoga class and I get on the scale afterwards and it said 202 and I said fuck yeah that's and incredible three that more pounds incredible. I was like I got I was like I got baby one more week on this diet and I'm gonna be a 199 and I looked at myself in the mirror and I was like shredded you know like the vision I had in my head was Brad Pitt from Fight Club <laughs> yes love it like that was, that was goals, right? It was Brad Pitt from fight club, just saran paper skin and abs everywhere. <laughs> I mean, unfortunately they can't do anything about the face. So, you know, you, you, <laughs> you get stuck with this and, oh, and the man. body was, the body was close. It was close enough. But then I turned to the side and I look like a coat hanger. You know, I was just <laughs> yes, like, I was man. so small and I, I had been such a robust man before that never feared going out into public and like, what if something happens? And that's what hit me. It was like, I turned to the side and I was so thin. And I thought if I walk outside and there's a melee, I'm going to get my ass kicked by a grandma. Like, you got to start, you got to start eating some food here. You got to put some weight back on. So I slowly now over the years have put it back on and I'm about 230, 235. And I'm in the middle of kind of a muscle up phase right now. So just kind of having fun, still manipulating the body, lifting weights, working out, staying active and seeing how lean I can stay and how much muscle I could put on. But I really didn't do anything with that program. Maybe the, it was probably a year out where I had some kids from the Naval Academy write me. And one of them was a San Diego kid. And he wrote and he said, Hey man, I saw you at your retirement press conference. I'm trying to figure out how you lost all the weight because me and my football buddies, there was probably six to eight of them. Me and my football buddies, we've got four months to get 60 to 70 pounds off so we can fit into Navy regulations. They were graduating. Their season was over. And I said, oh, shit, cool. All right, let me help you guys out. So we just FaceTimed. And I basically gave them the Lose Like Alignment blueprint over FaceTime. Wow. And they all got the weight off and they all sent me pictures and it was super cool. They, because they didn't give them new uniforms or anything. So they had their belts like all baggy. Up real tight, yeah. just baggy and they were super proud of it. And they did a great job. And some of them were still in and, and I, I still stay in touch with a couple of them. And then it had been like several more years where 
like people would just ask me, Hey, how'd you lose the weight? And I would type them up an email and send it off or like five DMS later, here we are. And there's your plan go on. And, and eventually I said, all right, I just got to put this into a Google doc. Well, COVID hit and we're in Indiana and I had kind of relinquished a lot of my duties. And so I just sat here for the first probably three, four months and just hammered out a Google doc, just drilling, like, here's what it is. And thinking about how this was going to work in people's lives and adjusting it a little bit. And then thankfully I had a guy write me and his name was John Zenser and he's 53 years old. He's a former football player from the university of Pennsylvania. He was six, three, three twenty-five at the time. Ooh. And he said, Hey, how'd you lose the weight? And I said, funny you ask. I said, I just got done with this document and it was just a document. I mean, it was like text on paper, right? It was, it was, yeah, we've been there. I don't know how long it was at the time. <laughs> yeah. It's probably say, yeah. Right. It was like 75 pages long. I said, good luck. Hey, stay in touch <laughs> if you don't mind, you know, yeah. hey, write me, write me every week, write me every month. Give me some updates. Well, the first month goes and John lost 30 pounds. Incredible. And he was under, he was under 300 for the first time since he had got done playing football at UPenn way wow. back in the day. And I said, holy hell, this works. And I knew it worked for the Academy kids. I didn't yet know John's real full story. And he's super disciplined and I've gotten to know him really well. And he's still in the program and he's still a real important part of it. And he gives me great insights and he's kind of a good cop, bad cop. He always plays the bad cop. Like when people are having weak moments, I'm like, ah, you know, it's okay. And he's like, get your shit together. So I really, I really appreciate John's because I've always had players around me, even when I was in the league that were like, they were the assholes and I got to be the good guy. I'm super positive all the time. And so I had somebody who's tell people when they're slacking off or, or messing up. And so John has all this success. And then I asked for like five more guys and five more guys kind of put their hands up on Instagram and I shoot him the program. I said, Hey, we're going to meet on Sundays on zoom. I just want to get together. I want to I want to feel more, you know, I want to know how this is working for you. And I got John involved in that. And John kept losing weight. These guys all lost 20, 30 pounds in the first month. And so when they all were having crazy success, I thought, well, turn it into an ebook and see what yeah. we can do. You know, what, what do you have to lose? So we turned it into an ebook and first month it went like gangbusters. And then I got lucky and got on the Brian Buffini podcast, which is a huge show. And he's got 12 million subscribers worldwide. And so I had like these floods of orders coming in. I thought, wow, you better get your systems up to speed. So then it was like, okay, now go back and build a team and have, you know, you get all this going that I didn't even know exists. I didn't even know this universe existed barely <laughs> over a year ago. Mm. And, and here we are now with Facebook ads and Instagram ads Ooh. and email CRS and all, all that stuff. stuff. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, we're going through, we're going guys. through it. Yeah. We're going through it ourselves. I had no idea. I mean, you get hit with them all the time. And then when you finally go through it, you're like, oh, I know what game you guys are playing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can kind of point out. I know you're reaching out yeah, to me yeah. for something. Yeah. I always tell yeah, my so, girlfriend, I'm you like, know, you're selling me something. I'm like, watch, this guy's going to try to sell me something. She's like, how do you know? I'm like, well, just, just trust me. Like, I'm going to play this game. I'm like, I want to see how he does it. Sure enough, like 20 minutes into DMing me, I'm, he's like, hey, I would like love to jump on a call with you and see. I'm like, ah, see, I told you. <laughs> yeah, I told you uh -huh. it was coming. Yeah. Let me be your business coach. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and it's cool. It, for me, mm -hmm. I love learning that process. And I love, like you, I'll go down that rabbit hole. I want to oh, yeah. see how we do it. I, I love that game. And, and for me, I, fortunate I played 11 years in the league and I saved all my money and we've done really well. And I don't have to make money, but money's a fun way to track your progress you know, and to see where the bottom line's going and to understand if I'm, it just gives me a way to really track personal growth mm -hmm. and business growth and to see if I'm making progress and what areas, because if you're not pushing yourself and trying to grow, how do you know? How do you know where your weaknesses are? You know, I go to the gym and I'm doing like light bodybuilding right now and I bodybuilding. I don't, should, shouldn't even call it that. I should call it like body sculpting, right? It's like the, the bodybuilding light, but I'm working my <laughs> ass off in the gym. And then you start noticing, you're like, 
damn, my right shoulder back here is shut down for some reason. It's probably from all those stingers or my left knee is going to need replaced at some point. So my left calf is super skinny. So now I'm like trying to hammer that out, but that, you know, the, the body for me is a great analogy for everything. It's just what you, the, the little daily habits that you have that lead you to health or lead you to growth or lead you to a leaner physique, they all eventually add up, right? So what we're doing in the business world, all of these little habits, hey, that that wasn't working. Okay, we need to shift directions and and go over here and let's see what really hits and resonates. And, you know, that for me, super fun. But more than anything, like when you see somebody, I've got a guy who's just recently lost 80 pounds. My my guy, John Zenser, the number the first guy in the program officially other than the naval academy guys it took him seven months but he lost a hundred pounds incredible and he has stayed under 100 pounds congrats to him it's you know and what that does for somebody's life when they lose that kind of weight and the not just damn they feel better and they can do more and they can be the dad or the husband or the brother you know whatever it's all that confidence yes they feel yeah. what we just talked about, right? Where, oh my God, my daily habits, these are choices. Yep. And yes. I, if I'm conscious, if I'm aware going through on a daily basis, you wouldn't believe how many people lose 25, 30 pounds. And then they go, I'm quitting my job because I'm starting <laughs> something else up because mm-hmm. this isn't what I wanted to do. And yep. now I'm, mm-hmm. I, I don't know why I was walking through with his glaze over my eyes and just going about it. It's like, I have a choice in life yep. and I can accomplish shit. And once they feel that accomplishment, it's like now we're limitless. And now we feel like, you know, you can get into other areas, but I, I really feel the easiest place to learn that is when you own your own body. Yep. Yep. When you own your own body, then you own your own mind. And now everything's possible. Well, you feel a lot more in control, right? You feel like, you know, instead of things coming to you and you having to react to them, you can be much more proactive, right? Because again, it's, it is about your choice about the actions that you take, right. And the decisions that you make in life. And when you feel in control of those things, it, it brings a sense of like, okay, I, I can do this, right? I can, I can really make a difference in my life and in my family's life and my community, right? Because you feel so empowered yeah, to yeah. then, you know, seek that next challenge out, right? Instead of avoiding it or running away from it. It's true. Yeah. And, and this is something, by the way, for most of these people that come to the program that are way beyond where they ever imagined that they would be way wise. You know, we're, we're talking 350 pounds, yeah. 400 to- plus total pounds. transformations, total. They never thought that they would get there. Yeah. And then once they're there, they never think there's an undoing. Mm. And then they start gradually going through this process and being conscious and aware and making healthy choices on a daily basis. And oop, I suffered a setback, but look, I don't have to now spiral out of control. I can get right back on this wagon and continue plowing forward. That is, that's where the real juice is. Mm -hmm. And so when they do that, man, it's for me, that's beyond money. Like this is just, it's such an incredible way to give back to people with something that it felt like it was gifted to me. I don't know where the hell this program in my head came from, but it, And it works. It just, it works. I tell people all the time, like you stick to the structure and it works. Well, you're definitely creating impact brother. I know. I mean, congratulations on the program. Congratulations on, you know, being that person that a lot of people need in their life, right. To just, just believe in them, right. Believe that they can do it, show them that they can do it right with your own personal transformation. And obviously with everything, on everyone who's been so successful in your program. And being a tremendous positive reinforcement for Yeah, us. I mean, it's so important in people's yeah. lives, right? We need, I mean, everything that's going on in the world, you know, so much negativity, like, there needs to be more people right. out there telling them, like, yeah. you can do what you want to do. Yeah. Like, nobody, like, yeah. there's no external force stopping you from doing it. It's, and it, and it's it between your ears. You said, the choices, right? The choices you make is what can help you carve out the life you want. You know, it's like, you know, I talk to Josh all the time. It's you look at something, you wake up, you're like, okay, is me getting in this car and going over here? Does this align with my vision? Does me drinking this align with my vision? Does me doing this align with my vision? Yes or no. Do it or don't do it. Yes or no. Right. And when you can put yourself in a tight decision-making corridor and, and I talk about that in my book because 
when I played football, damn, it was, it was real hard work, but it was easy because there was a very clear decision-making corridor. Is this going to make me a better center teammate? Is this going to take us closer to a championship? If the answer is yes, I'm doing it. If the answer is no, I'm not doing it. Right. So that's super easy. So when you now make a very clear path for where you're going, it makes the decision so much easier, right? That's you have to be very clear with where you're going. And that's what a lot of people don't get right is, you know, I'd like to get healthier. What the hell's that mean? (laughs) Right. Like, you know, what does yep. get healthier mean? It's so ambiguous. Like mm. I want to lose 50 damn pounds. Just say it. Yep. Tell me yep. what you want to do. Right. Let's do so it. Let's start with 50 now. Yeah. And then let's get there. Like be clear. Is this good? Cause we could easily stop and say, Hey, I needed to lose 50, but I lost 25 pounds and guess what? I'm healthier. Well, yeah, you are slightly. Are you where you wanted to be? No. So why'd you stop? Mm. Well, because I'm healthier because that was my goal. So your goal was shitty. Yep. So let's not make shitty goals. Like, yep. let's be clear. Let's be bold. Let's go far. And, and I think, you know, and it don't can, comes to back to my wrestling. Make big goals. Yeah. Dream big. Right? Yep. Let's go big. Like, fuck. When I got onto the, when I made the walk, when I walked onto the football team, yeah, I never thought in a million years I was going to play in the NFL. At first it was, you know, Hey, I'm going to, I just want to get on the field. I want to wear the Jersey. And then once I got there and got a taste of it, by God, you know, it's like, that was like the first five pounds I lost. I'm like, I can lose five pounds. I can lose 50. It's like, I'll be starting in two years or I'll be starting in a year, you know? And it's like immediately right when I'm on the team, boom, let's go. I'm going to take his spot. I'm going to take his spot. Now we're in a race and let's see who can last longer. Oh, and, and it goes back to, you know, it goes, I think my role in this is a lot like my wrestling coach's role to me was I see sometimes, and I, I hate this at first, but then they start to see it is I see more in you than you see in yourself. So let's not set low goals. Let's, let's dream of being a state champion. Let's dream of having a hall of fame career. Did I get a hall of fame career? No. But damn, I got on the 50th anniversary team for the Chargers as one of the top 50 players ever. Like for a kid who didn't play high school football, holy shit, that's good. Like that's really good. But it didn't start, I didn't get there because I just fell into it. It was because I wanted to be a pro bowler, which I was. And then I ended up getting hurt and kind of got off the roster there. But damn, was I fighting like hell to get back on that because I wanted to be a Hall of Famer. Once I tasted that first Pro Bowl, I was like, okay, what's next? Mm-hmm. Hall of Fame's next. I didn't get there, but and snapping had the a ball damn good savage. career. Snapping the ball to a savage. I know. One of the one of the yeah. one of the best trash talkers in the in, in the history of the league. Two, I mean, two so I got I got to snap to three legends. And the third one's super cool. Drew Brees, my first two years. So he's the reason I walked on at Purdue in the first place. And so I show up to San Diego and he's the quarterback. And so I get a snap to Drew for two years and look at what his career has done. It's unbelievable. I I wish my Dolphins picked him up. (laughs) Oh, I know you guys were right there. Yeah. Fucking team doctors. Right at... That's why you always right got to get a second yeah. opinion. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah crazy. I got to, I got to interview Drew after I was done and he was still playing and they came out and I was still working for the chargers at the time. And I said, Drew, Hey, give the people something that they can take with them and, and use in their life. Like what's a piece of your life that you do every day that gives you success. And he said, everything I do, I do with intent and he goes to bed and he's got a, he's got a little notepad by his bed and on his nightstand. He said, every night before I go to bed, I write down what I'm going to get accomplished the next day. And I rest my head easy because I don't have to think, I don't have to worry anymore about tomorrow. But when I wake up in the morning, I start checking those boxes off that to do list, that task list that have to get done. That's getting done. And every single day is planned. It's methodical. It's intentional. And that to me was like, I I had known that because I played with him and have been around him, but to hear it, it's different because now you look at him through a different lens. And when I was watching him play after that, I would watch his stretch routine and he's watching the, the clock dial before the game. And at 
two minutes, 18 seconds before the game, you can bet your ass. He's in a hurdler's lunge with his left leg forward. When it hits 210, he's going to switch legs and he's going to be, and then he's going to be up with a minute and 30 to go. And every single thing was by the clock and intentional. And it was just incredible. And then I got a snap to Philip rivers for nine years and he's my best buddy. He's the great. And I, I got to tell you probably, over half of his teammates will say Philip Rivers is my best friend. And because he's just that kind of guy, he's just an incredible leader, a great person. And there's no question that he cares more than anybody else in that facility. And that's how you own leadership, right? When you, when you show that you care as much or more than somebody they have to follow you 100%. And so everybody, everybody follows Phil. And then a, a really cool one for two games. I got a snap to Doug Flutie. Oh, that's that so was, good. A so legend. Good. I mean, yeah, listen, legend, going to Syracuse so. and him playing at Boston college wasn't very fun for me, <laughs> <laughs> for me but, but uh, hearing all the stories about him whooping our ass, but yeah, I mean, what a, what a legendary career you had, you know, and in, in, in a life, man. And, and now you're inspiring so many people. I, we thank you so much for coming on the podcast and, and sharing a little bit of, of the insight and, and everything that's been going on with you. Really appreciate it. How can people reach out to you and, and you know, learn more about your program, uh, lose like a lineman, and, and get in touch with you? Cool. Follow me. I'm at Nick Hardwick, and that's on Instagram. And the little link tree there, I've got all the links. You can set up a one-on-one meeting with me. Love to meet you. Talk about anything you want to talk about, nutrition, fitness, life, business, goal setting, whatever it is. There's a link there for that. The Lose Like Alignment program, use the code HARDWICK20 for 20% off if you're interested. Just write me, you know, just DM me. I get back to everybody that DMs me. That's true. And I love yeah. meet. That yeah. is true. And I love, meet, I love meeting you and I love talking and interacting with people and helping really in any way that I can. Oh, I love it. Means it means a lot, man. Really means a lot. And personally, want to thank you again. And dude, can't wait to have you one day here live in Miami. Yeah, you got to come. You got to next time you're down here in oh, Miami. Oh, my gosh. Here, we'll I have would you love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'd be great. Be good I, time. Lo- I love Miami, by the way. Uh, it's hard place. not to for like a weekend, you know, and then you got to get the fuck out of here. So. <laughs> yeah. Then you got to eject and go to Puerto Rico. Yeah. Hey, listen, it's not a bad well, idea. I'm born and raised here, so I'm, uh, yeah, you're, I'm a you're Miami gonna stay. lifer. So, but all right, That's Nick, awesome. we, we really yeah, appreciate you coming. Next time I'm in, I'll hit you guys up. Definitely, yeah, please brother, do. Let me know. Please do. Hope you guys check out Nick. Awesome. He, um, amazing program that he's got going on. Tons, tons of amazing transformations. Make sure you guys go hit him up on Instagram. Check out uh, the program, everything he's got going on. You can find it in his, the bio of his Instagram page. And as always, we appreciate you guys. Peace out. Peace out. Much love.